Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zernio and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, thank you very much, and welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, Carol Zernial on special assignment today, so we're going to be flying solo as we uh, welcome a really neat lady who hangs out on the other side of our northern border. We're going to be talking with Lucy Berilak, who has a very distinguished career and a long history in working on caregiving and working with caregivers. She earned her master's degree in social work from McGill University, presently working as a consultant to the university-affiliated center of the CIUSS West Central Montreal Health Network and is active in this market as well in San Antonio. Uh, She provides on a telephone system that uh, lets folks call in with questions on caregiving. Uh, She does a Dear Lucy program where people across the U.S. uh, can ask questions. And uh, turns out, Lucy Barrow, like you got the answer to everything, right? (laughs) I'll give it a good try. It's interesting because for folks who are listening, uh, you started the Dear Lucy uh, segment on the the teleconnection not too long ago. How is that working out? Well, it's really working very well. It's through the teleconnection series. And I, you know, we used to do a lot of programs around caregiving issues. And then I thought, wouldn't it be wonderful to have caregivers ask the questions themselves and identify the topics that were important for them? So this is how Dear Lucy started. So what happens is that I receive all kinds of questions by email prior to the show. And I read them out loud and answer them and then open up the uh, the line for anyone else to sort of add any other comments. It's been extremely successful in the sense that caregivers feel that they have a voice. They're actually the ones asking the questions and trying to get the answers. And not only that, but sharing with others. So other caregivers, I may sort of answer a question, but other caregivers may also pipe in and say, well, you know what, this works for me as well. So it's really like a... It's like a family, a community sharing together. That's pretty cool. And I would think one of the issues that is coming up more and more on uh, these kinds of programs is the question of COVID-19 and the pressure and stress it puts on not only caregivers, but care recipients as well. Uh, How do folks who are caring for someone else cope with this outside evil, although viruses don't have a, a evil intent, but this evil virus that is sweeping the country, how do caregivers deal with it? Well, I think, you know, in, in general, caregiving could be very challenging and very rewarding, but I think at this time in particular, it's even becoming harder. Um, because, you know, many caregivers, it depends who you're caring for, and if you're caring for someone with Alzheimer's, unfortunately, that becomes a different issue all of its own. But in general, what happens is because you're sort of sheltered at home, um, everything kind of closes. Many of the day centers or the respite programs that your loved one may have been going to no longer are available to you. And so you're sheltered at home. The whole issue of how do we get food in the house? Uh, What do we do? How do we manage? So these are the kind of questions that we are receiving on a daily basis. And there are some solutions to that, for sure. Um, 
I think one of the most important things to keep in mind is that as much patience as you had before as a caregiver, this time you've got to really gear up because it's going to be very challenging. One of the things that I think really can work on and has sort of been proven through some of the research that we did and some of the things that caregivers are telling us, it's so, so important to develop a daily routine. So what I mean by that, a schedule, so that you can eliminate some of the boredom and some of the restlessness that you both have. And some of the things that you could do in your scheduling every day is really putting aside time for different things to do. Now, I don't know if you want me to elaborate a little bit more on that or... Yeah, I do. Hold on just a second, because I know folks join us during the program, and if you've just joined us, I want you to know you're listening to Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron. Carol Zerniel, our co-host on special assignment today. We're talking with Lucy Berilak, who is up there across the border in Canada, an expert nationally recognized in Canada and, and the U.S. for her work with caregivers and, and caregiving. And I would like you to expand on that. And I'd like you to deal as well uh, with the fear that many folks are feeling uh, about COVID-19, uh, and, and yet they can't control it. You're right. I mean, that's one of the most difficult things is when we cannot control what's going on in our normal lives are no, quote, not normal anymore. There is a lot of fear. And why wouldn't there be fear? I mean, we're afraid about catching it. We're afraid about touching people. You can't hug. You can't shake hands. Yes, there's a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety. But what I want to focus on more than anything is you have to look at what you can control. So what you can control is really being sheltered at home. That is one of the most important things is if you're a senior person, whether you're a caregiver or not, you've got to stay at home. Now, hygiene is extremely important. When they tell you to wash your hands for 20 seconds, they mean 20 seconds in warm water, not necessarily hot, and with soap. And, you know, washing between your fingers because... The way the virus, the way you can catch it, because it does land on surfaces. So the thing is to keep your hygiene. Now, the other thing is that you are sheltered at home, so your whole routine has changed. So let's get back to what you can control. What you can control is hopefully having somebody else not going out to shop at the grocery. There's a lot of line, a lot of places where you can actually order food. They'll come and deliver it. Now, when you're sheltered at home, you don't want to get bored. Now, especially if you're a caregiver, the anxiety goes up, things happen. So scheduling a daily routine is one of the most beneficial things that you can do. I have to tell you, I'm sheltered at home. I'm alone. I don't see my children. I don't see my family. I work from home. But I have a schedule, a schedule that includes eating well, drinking a lot of water, taking time to exercise, and when I mean exercise, you don't have to have equipment. If you're a caregiver caring for someone, you can do some very light exercises, sitting in a chair. You have to include in that fun things. You need to have a little bit of fun in your life as well at this time. So what do I mean by that? Music is amazing. Put on music that you like. If you have the possibility of dancing with each other or by yourself, I throw around in my house, that's for sure, to some good music. Yeah, what's so the line? Dance, like, 
dance like no one is watching. There you go. Exactly. So the other things that should be a routine for you besides exercise really reduces your stress because when you are stressed, your stress hormones kick in and that can elevate your high blood pressure. It can do a lot of harm. So get that little bit of exercise in your daily routine. Get those fun activities in there as well, whether you have a hobby, but organize it in such a way that from two to three, I'm going to be doing something. So if you're caring for someone, especially if they have dementia at that point, they might not understand what's going on, but I can promise you they know something isn't right. So things, activities that you can do with someone with dementia or not, for example, you can do reminiscing. Get out the album, take a look at pictures, uh, just talk about it. Make sure that you also have a time to connect with family. We have a lot of technology, and I hope a lot of you can do FaceTime if possible. Let the grandchildren or your children interact. Don't just talk about what is going on right now, the negative things, but let's talk about the family. What are the grandkids doing? Maybe the grandchildren can actually come on once in a while, sing a couple of songs, show you a couple of coloring pages that they made. Just connect with people. Again, their routine should have a routine for hygiene, when you're going to take, when it's the bath time, when it's feeding, when it's time to go to sleep. And as you think about that routine, I get the sense that one of the things you're recommending, Lucy, is to write that down. Have that routine written down so that's something you can put up and follow. A hundred percent, and that's exactly what I mean. You do a routine daily. You can change it around. Now, keep in mind, it's not always going to, uh, you know, be exactly the way it is. But because you have a routine, your brain is kind of sort of you, this is what I need to do. Now, some of you may be sheltered at home. Um, you could be seniors, but you could be also either you had volunteered or maybe you're working. So put that in your daily activities. Now, the other very, very important thing also is you need to put aside some time for yourself if you're a caregiver. might be difficult to do, but you need to find that little opportunity, whether it's being able to get away for a short period of time to read your book, negotiate. Negotiate with, with your care receiver, if at all possible. The other thing also is I would really encourage people not to watch too much news at different stations, okay? That is not beneficial because so many things are this one saying that. Anyway, choose a station that you feel comfortable with, that you feel that that's something that you are going to listen to and you're going to get the right information. And listen to the news maybe only once a day at the end of the day. It should not involve everything in your life at that time. You've got to continue as much as a normal routine as possible. Well, the news gets very depressing. And as they count down, and I'm not sure what's happening on TV that you see up in Canada, uh, I know a lot of American TV comes up there, but uh, on, on the 24-hour news channels, uh, it's as if they're counting every new diagnosis uh, with COVID-19. And now uh, every death that follows, they have charts and pictures. And frankly, it is terribly depressing. It is terribly depressing. And I want to tell you, and that sort of gets me to the point, you know, there's a lot of people that deal with mental health issues in normal times. 
That doesn't mean that they're not functioning. They could be functioning very well with their medication, with their support. But it's only normal at times like this. And you know what? It really came upon us so quickly. We didn't even have a chance to get used to this. Before we knew it, okay, okay, virus, whatever, it's happening, boom. We're sheltered in the house. We can't do this. We can't do that. Please be aware of your mental health, okay, whether you have mental health issues or not. If you have and if you're on medication and you're very stressed out, reach out. Don't be afraid to reach out to your healthcare provider. There's lots of agencies in your area where you can call, you can speak to somebody. You need that support. The other thing is, as family and friends, if somebody's expressing to you that they are anxious or upset or afraid, just listen. You don't have the answers right now. But just having the opportunity to have someone listen to you at, with non-judgmental and not judging you for how you feel and just saying, I understand. That is so important to do. You know, communication is huge at this time. You need to, to be able to communicate things in you. Everyone is anxious. So take the time. If you're really getting anxious, you're angry at someone, just say, excuse me, walk out a few minutes from, you know, from that area. Take 10 big breaths and count from your, you know, from your mouth, breathe out. And count to ten, and then come back. All right, hold that thought while we're while we're counting. Hold that thought. We're going to come right back to you. I'm Ron Aaron. We're talking uh, with Lucy Berlack on the Caregiver SOS On Air Hotline. Uh, she's talking to us about uh, the challenges and the stress that caregivers are feeling in light of the COVID nineteen virus, and some great suggestions on how we can manage that. You may be experiencing anxiety or stress regarding all the news about COVID-19 or what is commonly referred to as coronavirus. You are not alone. Optum is opening its emotional support helpline, providing access to specially trained mental health specialists. This is a toll-free number and it will be open 24 hours a day, seven days a week for as long as necessary. This is a free service. Anyone in need of emotional support is welcome to call. The number is 866-342-6892. That's 866-342-6892. One more time, 866-342-6892. You're listening to Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, delighted to be with you. Carol Zerniel, our regular co-host, is on special assignment today, and we're talking with Lucy Barilak, who is an expert in caregiving, has been involved in caregiving for uh, more than a couple years, has written about it, has edited books about it, and in 2003 and 2012, Lucy received the Queen's Jubilee Award presented by the Canadian Home Care Association. That award is awarded on the basis of dedication in developing a national coalition of support for home care across Canada. And as we talk, Lucy, I'm just amazed at how much uh, you know about caregiving and how long you have been involved in it. Before we get back to COVID-19 and and the stress that folks are feeling, what got you into the caregiving field to begin with? Well, I was a frontline social worker, and I started to notice that some of my clients, in particular older women who were um, caring for their husbands or vice versa, 
to be extremely stressed. We didn't call it caregiving at that time. We called it families, you know, who were, we were dealing with families. But the more I thought about it, the more I reached out to other professionals across Canada um, and asking them, are you feeling that sense? Is there something that we're not addressing? And sure enough, at that particular time, I do have to share with all of you that I was a caregiver for my mother for 10 years. And I experienced a lot of the things that a lot of caregivers go through, but didn't recognize it and didn't really even understand that what I was doing was beyond the call of being a a daughter to my mother. And so that's where it all started, and we decided to, a whole bunch of us social workers across Canada, to get together and uh, look at what we can do about it and how can we change the way we practice and what services should we be uh, looking at in order to support family uh, caregivers. And one of the things uh, I know uh, you discovered early on and we talk about on Caregiver SOS on air from time to time is the loneliness, the feeling that I'm the only one here, I'm the Lone Ranger, Uh, there's no one out there that can help me, I, I have to do it all by myself, there's no one who can care for my loved one better than I can, so I I don't need help, I don't want help, Uh, and and that becomes uh, quite a problem for caregivers. It certainly does. You know, I really, really feel very, very strongly that, um, you know, caregivers don't self-identify. I think it's really changing. It's changing a lot in the last few years. All of a sudden, the word caregiver seems to have a meaning to people, especially family or friends caregivers rather than professional people who are also caregivers. You know, the thing is that, unfortunately, what the research tells us, that caregivers many times pass away before the care receiver. So that's very important to keep in mind, that you need to take care of yourself. You need It's a balancing act. One doesn't outweigh the other. But at the same time, you have to allow that to happen. You cannot... I hate to use this word, be a martyr. Okay, so maybe someone else can do exactly what you do, but at the same time, if you don't get the respite that you need, if you don't go to your doctor's appointment or do something nice for yourself, you can't continue caring because the caregiving journey never stays still. What you think you've handled, let's say for a few months or even a year, all of a sudden changes. Because the disease takes over, whether it's dementia, Parkinson's, whatever it might be, a physical other ailment, it doesn't stay stagnant. So you're, most of the time, the, bur- the, the burden and all the things that you need to do increases. So you really, really have to take care of yourself. And as I said, I learned that lesson for myself, having at that time a young family at home, working full-time. I had to be able to set limits. And when you think about setting limits, what does that mean? Setting limits means that you have to allow other people, you have to kind of look at, okay, what am I doing? When we developed, when my research partners and I developed screening and assessment tools, we actually did it in a way that a caregiver could actually assess themselves. And so many couldn't believe all the work that they're doing. So setting limits make, okay, do I really need to do all this? Can another family member possibly do this so that I don't feel so overwhelmed? Setting limits also is with the person that you are caring for. 
So if you've been going and visiting every day, maybe you need to set limits if you're not living with that individual. As long as they're safe at home, maybe you'll have to set limits and you'll only go twice a week rather than every day. Setting limits can also be an emotional thing to set limits. Sometimes your care, your loved one might be too demanding and you might have to set limits because at the end of the day, all the research that we've done we know that anxiety races or being overwhelmed, depression sets in, and that's not what we want to do. And I want to come back to something that you said earlier. I don't want to let it just slide away. Uh, a number of caregivers predecease the person they're caring for. Exactly. And the research confirms it. Um, and, you know, that has to do with because a lot of caregivers don't take care of themselves, meaning that. If there's something bothered them physically, they'll avoid going to the doctor as much as possible. Their mental health even is affected. We know that being stressed and overwhelmed increases our stress hormones. I talked a little bit about that. What that really does is your cortisol and all these hormones being stressed. You cannot stay stressed all the time, you know. That's impossible because then your blood pressure goes up. You can develop diabetes. You can develop heart problems. You know, your, even your physical body changes. There's things that, you know, you're not out of control. So because the journey for some caregivers is so long, that's why if you don't take care of yourself, unfortunately, you can develop diseases. You can have all kinds of emotional problems. And unfortunately, many times, and we've seen it over and over and over again, caregivers, die many times before their care receiver. Well, we want to prevent that if there's uh, uh, any way to do that, that's for sure. We've got a couple of minutes left, and before we jump out, uh, I want to come back to COVID-19. I want to deal with something that uh, uh, I know you feel strongly about, and that's staying positive, that there is indeed light at the end of the tunnel, and it is not an oncoming freight train, right? Absolutely. I do believe it truly, and this is by my heart, this too shall pass. It will. The thing is that we have to recognize it's not going to go away in a couple of weeks. If you in your mind say to yourself, okay, this might take a few more months. I'd rather it take a few more months so that, that we can sort of, you know, that curve that they're talking about can sort of stabilize. In the meantime, keep in mind, researchers all over the world are researching all kinds of different um, things that will enable us to have some sort of a vaccine. So it's, it's not a hopeless situation by no means. The other thing to keep in mind is that the whole world is going through. So all these experts are working together. So I think we need to stay positive. I also feel that if you're people of faith, if you really have faith, one of the things in the activities of the day that you could do is pray together if that gives you comfort. But I truly believe from what I know as, um, as a professional, as a researcher, we're going to fight this battle and we're going to win at the end. So please stay positive. Try to stay in the moment as much as you can. And we'll all get out of this together. And don't forget, I'm in Montreal, Canada. When I say all of us together, I really, really mean that. It's interesting if in 1918 
when the Spanish flu swept around the world and killed so many people. Uh, they lacked the communication systems we have today. Uh, while it's a blessing and a curse, uh, they didn't know day to day how many were dying worldwide or how many were affected, uh, which we do now. But it also was a time when you couldn't get as many researchers involved. It took time to get that message out. Absolutely. But the other thing that I just want to touch on a little bit is that we talk about the control. Okay, you have some control over your own fate also. So by staying home and not listening to others who are telling you this is conspiracy theory, don't listen. This is real. You have a way to control by staying home, by washing your hands, by not touching your face, by really doing what you need to do for you and your loved ones. Very important to keep that in mind. I just want to kind of get off for just a second. I do want to talk about the fact that if you are a caregiver caring for anyone at home, please keep in mind that you do need to put a plan in with the rest of the family who might not be with you, just in case something that you're not well and you cannot continue caring for your loved one. You need to have a plan that in any emergency, and when I say a plan, it means like really working with the family, but working with agencies around you. All right, Lucy. if this does happen... That's a great tip. We're out of time, but I think folks have the have the gist of it. I want to thank you so much for joining us on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron. Carol Zornia will be with us again uh, come up on our next Caregiver programs. Stick with us, and thanks for listening to Caregiver SOS On Air. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org.